I want to talk to share with you about the first word that the Lord gave to me to minister in a church when he blessed me with speak the word ministry. You know, because a lot of you don't know this, but the, for the first year after the Lord called me into the, uh, gave me the ministry to speak the word ministry, for the first year it was, it was just Kevin and me recording my messages for the radio. And it was a real treat for me to actually see the faces of the ones I was ministering to. <laughs> for most of my days at that time, uh, 10, 11 years ago, were spent in my studio talking to God and just writing down what he gave me to share with all those that were listening to my radio program called Speak the Word. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight because I love my work and I still love my work and I do enjoy my time along with the Lord, saints, and doing the work that my father's called me to do. However, I will... I have to admit, I did miss seeing the faces of those I was ministering to. Prior to speak the word ministry, I was ministering every week in the prisons and the jails and was chaplain there, so I was seeing all kinds of faces all the time, and now the Lord had me in my, in my room, per se, for a year on the shelf. I was working, but it was, it was not the same, and it was, it was not good uh, ministering to uh, ministering without seeing faces was a real challenge for me. As a matter of fact, a week before I received the invitation from my friend's uh, church down in North Carolina, I had prayed and asked God, and I said, if it's all right with you, Lord, I would love to minister to some people I could see. You know, I had been going through this for almost a year, and I hadn't been able to. I thought about having David and maybe have a couple of friends to come sit in the studio while I ministered, but I never did. It was me and Kevin. You know, of course, I think Kevin and I did a pretty good job, you know, too. But it was, it was a challenge. But, you know, sometimes the Lord gives us things that there, there can be a challenge to us. But we have to understand that we always have to, to do what the Lord instructs us to do. And sometimes that's a, that's a challenge and it's not always easy, but it's always rewarding, you know, and he'll, he'll never leave you. He'll always be there to help you, uh, just like in the la yesterday when I was working on this message, you know, the Lord's always there. You know, he comes to my rescue and, and you know, and, and helps me in everything I do. And I just think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that my friend's pastor heard the Lord when he impressed upon him to invite me. You know, God is so good, people. He is so good because when I prayed and asked the Lord for the privilege of being able to speak to somebody, some faces, the Lord put it on the heart of my friend's pastor to invite me down in North Carolina to minister to them. And as I said before, I don't think I'm going to be teaching on any scriptures tonight that most of you haven't already heard. However, I do pray as usual that God will give me, give you, uh, give you a new revelation of his word tonight. Even though you've heard it before, I really pray that God will give you a new revelation of it. I know that the topic for me down in North Carolina was building his story. And when I was thinking, when I think about building, I think of a foundation, and when I think of a foundation, I think about the Word of God. Because without His Word, saints, we will have no foundation. Without His Word, we will have no faith. Because faith comes from here, and according to Romans 10, 17. And as we speak and confess His Word, we're building a solid foundation in Him. And then and only then will we have the faith for everything else. Only then will we have a solid foundation. And I really hope you're hearing this tonight. Praise God. As I began to speak the word ministry, this is what I wrote as inspired by the Holy Spirit. At the time I, th this was written, I ran across it in my prayer time. I think it was either Friday or yesterday. But at the time I wrote this, it was December the 19th, 2010. 
and I did not have a clue how I was going to do what he was giving me. So I wrote, my mission is to teach the multitudes, and my platform is the airwaves and the internet. It's a ministry given to me by the Lord. He anointed me and called me and set me apart for this time, and everything I do will be done unto the Lord. It's not about Joe. It's all about the Lord. And that's the way it should be with all of us. It should never be about us. It's not about us. It's about all that we can do for the Lord. The Lord has anointed me and called me to train up his soldiers for these end days. So therefore, this is the message that he has given me tonight to share with you. I believe that it will bless you. I pray tonight, too, that the Holy Spirit will give me the utterance to speak words that will minister to you. As I read this verse in Luke, 20, Luke 14, 28, and the ones before it, I see that Jesus was using a lot of parables to teach with. In the scriptures before verse 28, Jesus was talking about at that time, he was talking about leaving all to follow him. In Luke 14, 28, in the English Standard Version, it says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? And I put in there, consider the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Some translation says, calculate. But as I read Luke 14, 28, the words, consider the cost, or count the cost, jumped off the page at me, brothers and sisters. The Lord showed me that we have to consider the cost of the foundation that we're building every day with every word that comes from our mouths. Praise God. We are in, we are in a war, saints. Whether we choose to believe it or not will not change the fact that we are. Some have still have their heads stuck in the sand and they don't believe, they don't really understand what's going on, but we're in a spiritual battle. And the only weapon, the only weapon that can be used to fight this war is the Word of God. You can't fight it with armor tanks. You can't fight it with bombs. You can't fight it with guns, but you can only fight it with the Word of God. I hope you're hearing me. God loves you so much, and He wants you to win your battles over the sicknesses in your bodies, over your finances, over your fears of the things going on in the world today. However, in order to accomplish this, we first have to learn how to speak God's language. We have to speak His Word. You know, here in America, most of us speak English. Some of you here might be able to speak another language or two. But my point is, if someone comes up to you speaking French or another language, you'll not be able to understand what that person is saying to you because you haven't been taught their language. I lived in other countries, and I know, what it, I know that it's hard to talk to someone that doesn't speak your language. As a matter of fact, when I was living in Germany, um, and when I was in France a lot, I mean, uh, Spain, you, you speak a lot with your hands. You know, you're trying to almost like, um, what do you call that when somebody's deaf? Um, sign language. And so mostly that's what you're doing with your hands. You say a word and try to show them what, what you're talking about. And so it's really difficult when you're trying to speak to somebody that speaks a different language. We have to speak God's language. And if we want him to hear us, we have to speak what he understands. We have to build a foundation on his word. I'm going to talk about a different kind of foundation. My scriptures are going to be taken tonight from Mark 4, 13 through 20. Luke 6, 49, and Matthew 7, 24 through 27, and I'm going to start with Matthew 7. Tonight, I'm using as my parable the story about the three little pigs. Anybody familiar with the three little pigs? 
I guess you never thought you'd hear about the three little pigs in church. Hallelujah. Jesus was always teaching his disciples in parables so that they could understand him better. And even then, even then, he sometimes had to tell them twice. As a matter of fact, Matthew's version of this is the second time that Jesus had told his disciples this parable. So when I was working on this message, the Lord brought this children's story about the three little pigs to my attention because he wanted me to teach about building a foundation and he wanted you to remember it. We know that unless God builds the foundation, we know that it won't stand. According to Psalms 127, one, it says, unless the Lord is the foundation, the building won't stand. In other words, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it and labor it in vain. We also know that his word is the foundation and Jesus is the rock that, has the, has the, um, that it has to be built on. In Psalms 18.2, the Lord says, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation. He says, in my stronghold. Think about that. He is our stronghold. He is our rock. He is our shield. He is our refuge. Hallelujah. So as I said before, when I was working on this message, the Lord brought this children's story about the three little pigs to my attention because he wanted me to teach about building a foundation, as I said before, and he wants you to remember it because it relates a little like the three pigs, or we can call them the three brothers. One brother was wise, and the other two were not so wise. The first pig who built his house with straw is like the man, man or the woman in Mark 4.15 who comes into the word and hears the word, and the seed is sown, and it falls on rocks and gravel, and only a few of the seed come up. In other words, they didn't get enough for a foundation. So when the winds came, when the troubles came, and when the fears of this world came upon them, and Satan came in like a wolf, huffing and a puffing, like a roaring lion, according to 1 Peter 5, 8, they have nothing, they have nothing to fight with, saints, because they don't have any word in them. They have no weapons. They have no ammunition. They have nothing to hold, hold, you know, they have nothing to hold him off with. The second pig who built his house with sticks is like the one sown among the thorns who hear the word. Then the cares and anxieties of the world come and choke and suffocate the word. This brother, he did just a little bit better than the first brother, but he didn't get enough of the word to have any real root in him either. He didn't have anything, he didn't have anything to fight off the sicknesses and the diseases that Satan brought on his body and on his family. He had no word to stand on when Satan came and destroyed his family and wiped out his finances. The Bible says this man's house immediately collapsed and fell and the breaking and ruin of that house, he says, was great. Then we have pig number three. This pig was the wise one. He used brick to build his house. The brick represents a solid foundation, like the wise brother who sowed in good soil. The one who hears the word and receives the word and accepts and welcomes it 
and listens to his word and does them, this is what it's like. He says in Luke 6, 48, he says, He is like a man building a house who dug and went down deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when the flood arose, the torrent broke against that house and could not shake it or move it because it had been securely built or founded on the rock. Praise God. He said, no matter how you build a house, if the foundation is not solid, it will not stand, no matter how small or how large that house is. But we know that Jesus Christ is our rock, and anything built on less will not stand, saints. Anything less is, as they say, is sinking sands, friends. You know, uh, I was going to ask David if it was all right if I talked about this, but I didn't ask him on throw him under the bus anyway. Before David and I met, uh, several years before we met, actually, uh, he had a house built. And, uh, by, and um, so when he built the house before we met, and the foundation was not solid. So it was a new house, but the foundation wasn't solid. So what happened to it? You know, he's sitting in his living room one night, and all of a sudden realized it's caving in. So I think, I'm not sure if it was a holiday, but I know, I think it was around the holidays, but they had spent days up under the house trying to prop it up and build it. You, you have to have a solid foundation. You cannot build without a solid foundation. And Ephesians 2.20 says, You were built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. The Lord tells us that once the seed is sown, if we don't understand it, he says, Satan comes at once, he says, to steal it away. In verse 15, it says, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Jesus explains the parables to his disciples again. In Mark 4.13, in New King James, he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables, he asked them. In verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. In Luke 8, 11, in the Berean Bible, it says, now this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Praise God. The seeds along the path are those who hear, but the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. As the parable illustrates, not everyone who hears the word of God receives it. Some forget what they hear almost immediately. Others receive it with joy, but they fall away when persecution comes. Some receive the word, but then let the attractions and wealth of this world crowd out God's word from their lives. A few, however, receive God's word and take it to heart, producing a good crop of righteousness, the Bible says. Jesus said some are 30-fold, some are 60, he says, and some are 100 I believe God gave me this parable in the form of the three little pigs, hoping that you will remember it, to grab hold of his word and hang on to it. Because this is the only thing that you're going to build a foundation on, is you're going to have to grab a hold of that word, and you, like it, your life depends on it, because your life really does depend on it. I know you've heard that expression, you need to do that, because your life depends on you doing so-and-so. Well, there's one thing I can grant, I guarantee you, your life does depend on this word. Praise the Lord. For he wants you to understand. He wants you to understand the importance of his word and the power. He said this in those words. He wants you to know that his words are your weapon. His word is your armor tank. 
It, it, it's your bomb. It, it, his word is your bomb. It, it's your gun. Another thing God impressed upon me, saints, is that we have to learn how to filter between what we think and what we say. Think of it like a coffee filter. When you use a coffee filter, you get your coffee without the coffee grounds. It doesn't take... It doesn't taste too good because it's full of coffee grounds. I mean, as a matter of fact, recently I was making some coffee and had little little black things on the top of my coffee, and I took a little spoon and dipped them up, and when I emptied my coffee, I realized I had a lot of grounds on the bottom. But I've been told it's caused my coffee pot, and it probably needs cleaning. But anyway, my solution to that problem is just give it away and get another one. But uh, <laughs> everybody handles things in different ways. But... <laughs> So David said, well, just get you a new one. So he didn't want to clean it either. <laughs> Our friend Roy, he's an expert in that field. <laughs> My point is this. Filter the words coming out of your mouth, saints. Don't be so in seed that you don't want to reap a harvest from. For you will reap what you sow. In other words, what you speak, because your words are seed, and you will, without a doubt, get a harvest. You are going to get a harvest, and it's up to you what kind of harvest you get. It's not up to God what kind of harvest you get. It's not up to God, all, all these things that we, we blame on God and think it's up to God that we prosper and that we in good health. It's not up to God. He's already, the Bible says he's given everything, every good gift he's given to us. And when we became Christians and born-again believers, he gave us everything that we needed. Not just a little bit, but he gave us everything. And he told us how to use it. But unless we get in the Word and find out what that is, then we're not going to use it. And you're going to be suffering for it. I mean, I'm not saying that I've arrived, for God knows I haven't. But I, like I've heard somebody say, I've left, you know, and I'm continuing to go down the right road, I pray. It says in Galatians 6, 7, New King James, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So that wasn't Pastor Joe's thing. That was what Jesus said. And if you aren't careful, saints, you're going to get something that's not good at all. Your words will carry more weight in your life than anybody else's words. They really will. You, it, it's your words. It's not what your neighbors say. It's not what your boss says. It's not what even your spouse or anybody. It's what you say. It's the words coming out of your mouth. It's what's going to make the difference in your life. And if you want to change something... The only way you're going to change it is using your mouth, your tongue, your tongue. Right. You know, if you're driving a car, the only way you're going to be able to turn again, go in another, another direction is turn the steering wheel. If you don't turn that steering wheel, you're just going to keep right on down on the same road, same road. But the tongue is the same way. And you need to ask yourself, does it matter what I say? Yes, it matters. It, it, it matters. It, it's a life and death situation. Proverbs 4.20 says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth and the produce of his lips. He says he shall be filled. I like this translation of that same verse in the God Word translation. It said, A person's speaking ability, a person's speaking ability provides for his stomach. His talking provides him a living. His tongue provides for him a living. Not your bank, not your boss, your tongue. 
In Proverbs 18.21, New King James, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. In the God Word translation, that same verse, it reads, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, well, wait, let me go back. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love to talk will have to eat their own words. That's powerful. I've heard I've heard that expression a lot. You know, don't don't you know? Be careful that you might not have to eat those words. And and, and I tell you what, a lot of people are eating their words. You can tell that just by looking around, and you know, and you can talk to a person for a few minutes and know where they are. You know, it it doesn't take a lot. Saints, your words will become a matter of being healthy or being sick, a matter of living in abundance or living without or living on barely get alone street. Don't just read God's word for entertainment or to fill your quota for today. But really, meditate on his word. Remember, when you're speaking his word, he understands you. For you're speaking his language. You know, we talked about that earlier. In order for God to understand us, we have to speak his language. And, and he, he can translate his language into any language. So you will understand it. And so when we speak, we're speaking English. Some of them might speak German or French or Fran uh, whatever, Spanish. But God understands it. If they're speaking his language, he can understand it. But this is why, you know, it is also so important that when you're praying and, and talking to the Lord is that you pray his words. That's his language. And he will back his word up. Always he will back his word up. He will never, he will never, never, never let you down. You know, I was thinking, I was talking to David earlier before coming over. We were talking about some things that... Um, you go through sometimes, I said, you know, you have to be a fighter. And, and you know, you, all, you have to be a fighter really where you're a believer or non-believer, but you especially have to be a fighter if you're a believer. Because the enemy, you become a target for him. And, and if you're going to stand and do what you need to get done, you're going to have to fight back. And in every battle that you fight, every trial that you go through, every tribulation it, it, you know, that you go through, there's going to be some scars but you're going to have to be strong, and you're going to have to shake it off. Whatever it is, you're going to shake it off. I mean, I've gone through betrayal. I've gone through death. I've gone through all kinds of stuff. But you just got to keep moving on, even if you don't feel like it, and especially if you don't feel like it, because that's really the only hope that we have is by moving forward, because if we'll continue to move forward with the Lord, then he's going to be there for us, and he's going to guide us, and he's going to protect us. But unless we count on him, it's not going to happen. You can be a Christian and suffer if you don't put your trust in God. You know? Use your mouth to bless yourself and others. You know, consider the cost of every word. Some translations, like I said, says calculate. But in other words, weigh. Weigh every word before it comes out of your mouth. Think about that word. Don't just go... Whatever. In closing, let me share this with you. This morning as I was watching TV, sometimes I, it's so amazing how the Lord would just, you'll be doing some little old thing and the Lord would just automatically 
pop something in your head and you say, well, gee, I really forgot all about that, <laughs> you know, or even sometimes, you know, um, when I've been healed of things and I forgot it and I, and I get to thinking about that and I said, oh, Lord, I forgot about that. You did that and you did that and you did that. And I mean, I could have probably just write a book on, I am in the, on the process of writing another book up to the fourth chapter, but I mean, I could just write a book on the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, I just might do that too. Just the goodness of God, because He is He is such a powerful God, and He's such an awesome God. It, it, it's just uh, He just I stand in awe of, of Him, and I, I think really sometimes I get moved by the smaller things, because I know that He's he, He's noticing me, He's watching me, and those little things. And sometimes even before you ask, I mean, I've been asking and praying in prayer and had my prayer answered before I said amen. I've had a knock on the door, you know, and it's amazing how he does that. And, and I think about all the times that I trip on that rug in my living room sometimes and, and maybe going out the door and, and how all of a sudden it's like that. I'm back up. And even I fell one time and hit the concrete, but I didn't get a bruise. I didn't get a thing. But God's angels are assigned to watch over us. But, you know, in order for that to be, you have to believe it. They're there. But you have to believe that they're there. And you have to acknowledge them. I mean, when something like that happens to me, I said, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, angels. <laughs> thank you, God, for your angels. <laughs> you know, because he said they will lift us up in their hands lest that we dash our foot against a stone. And so this is in so many situations that I have come so close in accidents and, 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 and seen the, um, the supernatural of the Lord himself save me from that without a scratch or a scratch on my car. It, it, it amazes me, you know, that somebody else can go do the same thing. And I don't have any words for that. I, mean, I don't have an answer. I just know that when you put your trust in him, and, and, and claim him to be your God, your protector, your refuge, your high tower, your hiding place. He's going to watch over you. Yes. That doesn't mean that some things won't happen to you. But it won't be like it would be if you weren't trusting in him. That's for sure. Amen. Praise God. I said this morning, I, I can remember because when we first came, my husband that's deceased and I, he was transferred from uh, Clovis Air Force Base to Langley Air Force Base. And, and so we first rented a house because we knew we didn't, we were not going to probably stay here. So we rented a house, and then, of course, they sold the house, and we had to get a uh, townhouse but, uh, before his next job. But the thing of it is, I had a business. I had two businesses, and, and so I worked pretty much around, you know, every week, on weekends or whatever. But Sunday mornings was my time, you know, to have my coffee and watch a little something on TV, and, and this morning as I was having my coffee and my breakfast and I was watching TV and I was flipping through the channels to see which minister I wanted to listen to. The Lord brought back to my remembrance years ago before I received him as my Lord and Savior. I used to flip through the stations on Sunday morning and I couldn't understand why every channel had a Christian program on it. That was my only day to watch TV. And I was complaining I said, don't they have anything on television but church? You know, church here, church there. And now that Jesus is my Lord, that's all I feed on. It made me realize, brothers and sisters, that, that all non-believers think that way. And, of course, we believers wonder why they think that way. 
But it's because they don't know Jesus. They think that way. I, I thought that way because I didn't know Jesus. And it's our responsibility as his soldiers to reach as many of the lost as we can and get them to consider the cost of what they're doing. In other words, what it will cost them if they continue to stay on that fence wavering. You know, some's on the fence, they're a little bit over here and they're a little bit over here. There's a lot of Christians that way. A little bit over here, they're on the fence. There's coming today and it's coming soon. You gotta get off that fence. You're either gonna to have to decide to be on God's side or you're gonna to have to be on the side of the world's side. It's as simple as that. You gotta get off the fence. And all those that are watching online tonight, that goes for all of us. We gotta get off, you gotta get off the fence and make a decision. I talked last week on the season for decisions, I think. You have to decide whose side you want to be on. Because the Lord says when he comes back, if you don't make that decision, he's going to say, I don't know you. And we don't want that. I don't want that. I want God. I want G. I want my book, my name listed in Lamb's Book of Life, and I want, don't want it rubbed out. I want it to stay there. But we have to make a decision. I pray that you've been hearing me. Now, before I close in prayer, I, I, there's just a couple of things I would like to speak a blessing over all of you and all of you that are listening, and then I'm going to close in prayer. Father, I speak a blessing over the congregation tonight and over all those that are listening online and over all others that have an ear to hear, whether it's online or around the world. I pray, Father, anointing over every mouth in here and all those listening and a desire to fill their mouths with your word only. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to close in prayer. Father God, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, for coming to my rescue. I thank you, Lord, for giving me a word for tonight, Lord. And I thank you we did it supernaturally. <laughs> and Lord, I believe it was a blessing to all those that heard it online and, and in the congregation tonight. And Father, I thank you. I thank you for all those that are in here tonight. I thank you, Father, that they came thirsty and hungry to hear thy word, Lord. And I do believe, Lord, that you gave me a message that was broken down in such a way that, it, that anyone can understand it. And that was my instructions from you, Lord. My instructions were to teach your word in a plain and simple way so that anyone can understand it, regardless of race or age or size or whatever, that they can understand it. And I do believe, Lord, with the help of you, you and the Holy Spirit giving me unction, I do believe, Father, that they did receive this word. And I do believe, Lord, those, I pray for those that have been standing on the fence, Lord, and wavering back and forth. I pray for their sake, Lord, that they will make a decision tonight to decide, make a decision to get on your side. Because, Lord, you said those that, that you're for that no one can be against. So, Lord, we thank you that when they're on your side, they have your heavenly army. You have your angels. You have everyone watching over them. And when they're on the other side, Lord, they're in peril. So, Lord, and they're lost. So, Lord, I pray for those that are on the fence tonight. I'm praying for that, that they will make that decision, Lord, because it will be a decision that will mean the matter of life and death for them, Lord. And I pray, Father, it, they will choose right and have eternal life with our Father. Thank you again, Lord, for this message. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping me. 
And thank you, Father, for always being there for me and all of those that are listening, that you're always there for all of us, Lord. All we have to do is just reach out, and you're there. But you're not going to invade. You're not going to invade our privacy. You only come when you're invited. And so I pray tonight, Lord, that we'll continue to invite you into our lives to do the good work that you said you were going to do, that you do every day. So, Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, I give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen.